Bob Hazlett is with us today. He is not just going to be our speaker today, but he is also going to be with us this evening at 6 p.m. Uh, we're going to have another service and then tomorrow evening for a workshop. Now, I've had some people ask me after the second, after the first service, are all the services going to be the same? No, they will not be the same. This morning's services will be similar, but tonight Bob is going to do more demonstration. He has a very strong gift of prophetic ministry. He's going to talk about that today to explain what that means. And then tomorrow night, he's going to have more of a Q&A interactive time for us. So I want to highly encourage you to carve out this over the next two days. This is not about just an event. It's a journey that God wants to take us on. We are so excited to have him with us, though. Bob has been... Um, traveling the country and the world for over 20 years, encouraging, building up churches, and empowering them to walk in the gifts that God has through his Holy Spirit. I know he has a desire to see the church be the church, that it's not about Bob. If you get an opportunity to talk to him, you'll find out very quickly that his heart is not to lift himself up, but it's to lift up the name of Jesus. So I just want to ask if you would join me this morning as we give a very warm welcome to Bob Hazlett. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. I love a church that greets with handshakes and hugs, but during t- cold season, it's always good to give a fist bump, you know, holy fist bump in the Lord. So uh, anybody, any hangovers from the first uh, session this morning? You hung, you're hungover from this morning? Thanks. Thank you for being here again. And uh, it will be a little bit different than the first session. It's not unusual. Some people just love church so much, they just keep coming. But um, yeah, we had a good time in the first service. We're going to have a great time today. And then uh, we're going to pray for Andy Reid to finally, you know, get into the Super Bowl. And <laughs> we just want that guy to get his ring. And, uh, and, it'll, and we just want the Patriots to lose. Let's just, just say it, right? Just, uh, okay. And I live in New England, and I can still say that. As an, as an Eagles fan, I'm a Bucks County guy. Uh, my sister, Debbie, actually comes to this church, and my niece um, and nephew go here, Jason and Marie Genua. And so it was just a coincidence that we we're able to be here. Uh, among family, and thank you, uh, Pastor Paul, for having me. I, I, I guess you call him Pastor Paul, or Paul, or Pope Paul. Really good, Pope Paul. Really good Pope. I think Pope fits really good. Um, just so you know, this is just who I am. I'm just natural, normal, I, I, because what I do maybe sometimes freaks people out, and apparently some of you heard what I do, because you're sitting farther toward the back, but that's okay. I have a wireless mic. I can just come out and come right among you, and it'll be just fine. Um, I do have the great privilege of um, traveling around and, and encouraging the church. Also, we do a lot of things in emerging uh, countries. We'll be in Africa twice this year, in Nigeria and South Africa. We work many different types of groups. I'll share a little bit more about our mission stuff uh, that we do tonight. Um, but I also love to partner with churches. I was a pastor. Uh, I was a staff pastor for about... Um, eight years. I was a pastor of a church. I pastored a church not too far from here in Norristown for about two years. Uh, That was just long enough for me to discover that's not my calling. And uh, everybody else knew in six months, but two years was when I was like, okay, this isn't what I'm called to do. It was actually a pretty good run, but um, what it did is give me a love for what God wants to do in cities through his church, because I believe that what God does is he chooses people that will come together in community so that they can demonstrate who he is in their city. Church isn't just a place we come on Sunday morning to hang out. It's actually someone who we are. 
then we go out there in our city and are the church. And I know that's your heart and your mission just from listening to your pastor. And that he wants this to be a time that is a conversation that we have together. Like, how does God speak to us today? And I know that talking about like God can speak to you personally might sound, you know, kind of crazy. And I understand that. But just think of it. You guys are already crazy. You come and worship a God you can't see. So you might as well just admit you're crazy. All right. You're not normal to most people. And I, I travel around, and what I do, I, I do fly around the world. I've been to uh, Germany already this, this year, and I came back home. I was in Oklahoma City, so it was great to be in the Bible Belt where all the churches are big, uh, which is fun. Uh, but, you know, I like to be in a place where it's tough, too. I like the Northeast, you know, down south in the Bible Belt. Um, they're all sweet. They drink sweet tea. You ever, you ever have sweet tea in the south? I mean, Chick-fil-A sweet tea is sweet, but it's not like... Real sweet tea in the South. That's just like sugar water with a little bit of tea in it. That's sweet tea. And everybody's sweet. Up here, we drink our tea like we like our life. Dark and bitter. Okay? That's the way we like it. <laughs> I have friends that pastor down and they're Christians. I'm, they're, I'm like, everybody's so sweet when I come down here in the South. You know? And they're like, yeah, they're sweet to your face, but they'll stab you in the back. I'm like, well, that's okay. In the Northeast, we just stab you right in the face. We just get it over. Like, we just tell you like it is. You know, we're not going to go behind your back, talk about you. We're going to tell you off to your face. That's just. <laughs> and so having grown up in Pennsylvania and spent most of my adult life in, in New England, um, I love the Northeast. Some people call it the frozen chosen. I call it a place of historic revival that God is going to visit again. Every historic revival in our nation's history has come out of the regions uh, in which we live. And I believe we're about to see the greatest move of God in our nation's history. Amen? So, amen? So, some people want to make America great again. I just want to let America know God is good again. Amen? So, that's all good. So, you just let everybody else worry about the the politics of that, and don't get, don't get messed up with that. Show people on social media God is good, you know, regardless of what party's in charge. And as we're discovering, nobody's really in charge, are they? Good thing Jesus is on his throne, or else we'd all just not know what we're going to do. Maybe move to Europe or something. But um, so great to be here with you. And, uh, you know, um, the topic we are going to talk about is how you can hear God for yourself. And it's been a passion for me. Um, I guess because of the way I grew up, you know, thinking that it was unusual um, for people to hear God's voice. And even now, people think it's unusual. I fly a lot in planes because I fly a lot. Sometimes I you know, get to sit in the front and drink my coffee out of a you know, ceramic mug instead of a styrofoam cup. And that's nice. And they treat me well because I fly a lot. But you know, when you get up there, some people, you know, you, it's a different class of people. They, business people, they compare each other. They see what kind of watch you're wearing, you know, to see if you're successful or not. That's why I wear an Apple watch because it's just easy. It takes away all that pressure, you know. I can make it Mickey Mouse. I can make it uh, some kind of swirly uh, LSD kind of thing. I don't know what that is. You know, so it's easy. I don't have to, no pressure of uh, how I perform, you know. But Sometimes people ask me, you know, well, you're, you're flying, you fly a lot. I see you have, you know, have a million miles on your thing, your little tag there. And that's the kind of stuff people that fly a lot look at. Why? Because they got nothing else to do. They're always in airplanes. So what do you do for a living usually is the question to which I usually have two standard answers. One is if I really am not in the mood to talk, I'll just say, I'm a minister. 
and then they'll put on their Bose noise-canceling headphones, and I'll have a, a nice, quiet flight by myself. Uh, if I want to have a little longer conversation, I'll say something like, well, I'm a public speaker. I speak at conferences. To which they would again ask, well, what kind of topics do you speak on? Well, I talk about spirituality and God. And what do you talk about God? Well, I talk about a God who exists, who loves to speak to us, that we can speak back to him and he answers us. And then he can actually talk to us and and speak through us to other people. Then there's the awkward silence. And usually there's a response something like, you think God can speak to you? That sounds crazy. Now think about this. Sometimes in our faith, we think that just because our experience doesn't match someone else's experience, that it's not valid. I think it was uh, an old preacher. I don't know it was a Spurgeon or, or Moody. I can't remember which one. You could Google it, and it'll probably come up that I said this. But a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument, which means your experience with God is not subject to someone else's lack of experience, if you will. Um, so I just get logical with people like that. And I say, okay, you think I'm crazy because I think that I believe in a God that exists that I can speak to and speaks back to me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed before? To which people will say, of course, everybody's prayed. So you think it's crazy to believe in a God that exists that speaks to you and you can speak back to him and he answers you. But you don't think it's crazy to speak to a God that you don't think exists and you don't think speaks back to you. Who's crazy? Think about it. How much of your faith really isn't that crazy? It's just that we haven't thought it through that much. We actually haven't been bold enough to believe that the truth can actually set people free. See, the truth can set people free. If we're not but if we're afraid to speak the truth to people, how can they be free? And I'd, I'd rather just let people think I'm crazy for a while until they find out, you know what? God is real. And let's just, be, let's just be honest. Everybody's crazy a little bit anyway, aren't they? So you might as well be crazy believing the truth than be crazy believing a lie. I'd rather do that. You can tweet that if Twitter's still a thing. If not, post it on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know which is the thing for you guys around here. But um, so this weekend, we're going to talk about that. Tonight, we're going to have a little bit more. I'm going to call it like a Holy Spirit night. I really want to just really operate out of God's presence. And uh, we're going to demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to teach them, too. And then um, I know Pastor Paul said Monday night's going to be a little bit more interactive, uh, which means you get to load up and ask me questions if you want. Try to stump the chump, whatever you call it. We're going to have a good time. And I actually do want to answer your questions. And what we're going to talk about today really tells us that Jesus wasn't afraid of your questions. Um, I understand this is a conversation starter for us, and I, wanna, I believe it's a catalytic time. Um, you know, revival looks different in different places. Your know, revival in the Old Testament sometimes looked like judgment. Good thing in the New Testament, Jesus came and took all the judgment, so revival looks different, right? And it doesn't mean there's not change, because revival starts with repentance, which means a change of mind. But Jesus started a revival in John 3, one of my favorite scriptures, John 3 and John 4. Jesus sits down with a woman at a well. Anybody remember that story? Jesus is actually not having a great day. He's tired. He's been traveling a lot, walking. His disciples haven't thought to plan ahead to get him something to eat. And so they're tired and they're thirsty. And they say, we're going to go ahead. We're going to go to the next town. We're going to find you something to eat. You wait here. And Jesus sits down by the well. He's super tired. 
It says Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. And it was the third hour or the ninth hour or sometime in the middle of the day. I'm not sure how Hebrew time works. So, um, And a woman came and sat with him. She was a woman who didn't have a great past, um, didn't have a very good potential for her future. And they sat down and had a conversation about what? They're sitting by the well. They have a conversation about water. And this conversation sounds... Um, kind of just normal until he says something super spiritual. He has this prophetic word. He says, you've had five husbands, but the man you're living with isn't your husband. And you would think that would freak somebody out. And she just said, yeah, it's true. And then Jesus met a spiritual need. He said, you know, you came here for a drink of water, but I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. What all those guys in your life couldn't fill, I can fill that. And this woman got so impacted by it, she went and told everybody about a man that she saw by the well. And the Bible says Jesus stayed there for three more days, and they had revival. All because there was a conversation about water. All because there was a conversation about how God sees a person. And I believe that you can start a revival in your school. You can start a revival in your job. You can start a revival in your city. If you're willing to sit with people and have a conversation with them, and tell them what God really thinks about their life and contextualize what's their greatest failures in the context of a loving God and tell them God can take the greatest failure and give you something that you'll never thirst again for that kind of stuff. That's why I'm passionate about this stuff, and that's why I've also um, created some resources to help you to walk in a place where you can hear God's voice in your life. And how many know there's a lot of chatter in the world? There's a lot of noise out there that sometimes distracts us from what God is saying. How can we know what God is saying if we're always constantly, you know, bombarded with commercials and bombarded with information or bombarded with social media uh, input? How can we know that? Is that we have to sometimes put our put ourselves in a place where we can hear him better. And, and the way I do that is through worship or through just uh, spending time in meditation. And sometimes we need tools for that. My wife's a worship leader. Um, she was a pastor's daughter. She, her father pastored in this area. And I went to school at Valley Forge Christian College. And I was a youth pastor. You did as well. I was a youth pastor for him first and then uh, moved to New England. And so um, yeah, so we've, she's a worship leader, and we believe in that, that when you create an atmosphere for God to speak, it's easier to hear him. And she's a super big like atmosphere person. I don't know if you've ever met any of these people. that It's like you walk in their house, and there's like candles, and that's mist with oil, essential oil. That's her newest thing. She's into essential oils. Uh, I'm like, honey, you, you are an essential oil. Why do you need it? Like... If I could just bottle you and, and, and mist you everywhere, people would just be happy and feel good about themselves. I mean, she's just, she's peace. That's what she, she carries peace and joy. And, and so because of that, um, you know, whenever I want to watch like a movie where stuff blows up, I, I have to wait till she leaves the house because she's like, that just messes up the atmosphere and that doesn't feel like God. I'm like, the Bible's filled with stuff that blows up and burns and this is biblical. We need this stuff. Like, so sometimes when she goes out, I'll just, I'll be shaking the walls, you know, and she'll come home and she's like, you were watching a blow up movie. I know you were. And she gets on her keyboard and she's like, Holy Spirit, you are. I'm like, oh. things are blowing up on the inside still, you know. So we have these resources that will help you. Really, if you, if you do need to create an atmosphere around you to carry God's peace. And one of them is actually really, really powerful. Um, it's called Healing Experience. 
And what, I, what my wife and I did together is we took all the miracles of Jesus and we put them to songs and prayers for healing. The reason this is important is my wife um, was healed of a, a disease called fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. She had it for seven years. Um, some days couldn't get out of bed. She was on three different medications. And, and on June 28, 1997, in Pensacola, Florida, my wife uh, was healed in a revival service and got up off the floor healed, pain-free, medication-free, and has never been, uh, never been uh, infirmed with that disease again. And we realized that if God can do that for her, he can do that for anybody. And so we put together this resource. It's just really healing music, and half of it's instrumental, and half of it's scriptures and prayers. And I, I tell you the truth, we have hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people that, are, that have been healed just because of the scriptures, because God says, I'll send my word, and I will heal you. So I'd love to give this to someone. Maybe is there someone struggling with something like I just described, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, an autoimmune thing? Okay. Usually when I say something like that, it's more than just, hey, I'm telling a story, but this is, this is a testimony that will encourage you. So can I give this to you? Awesome. It's just the scriptures. It's not anything spooky, but it, it, it does bring healing. Um, my wife did this just this year, this project. It's called The River. It's a complete instrumental I give this out all the time. It's, like a, it's called the River of Joy. And it's really, she made it out of a time of loss and mourning in her life. She went through in 2017. And um, so she made it during that time. And it just carries such a freedom to move past loss, whether it's a relationship loss, a, a loved one loss, a job loss, that kind of thing, um, to bring the oil of joy for mourning, really, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it's just a few months old, but um, we're already getting feedback uh, from people that it got, just got stuck in a stage of grief in their life. Maybe it was something that was traumatizing from the past, or maybe it was something that was a, a loss of a loved one, a death, or something like that. Is anyone here going through just a, a time of grieving that this might help you, encourage you, or you know someone that is? Maybe that you give it to them, someone that lost a loved one in their life? You hand it to you. Come on, dude, you put your hand up like that. Come on, I'll, I'll give it to you. You hand it to somebody. It's, it's very cool. It's all uh, keyboard, saxophone, um, violin. Bless you, buddy. What's your name? Alan. Nice to meet you, Alan. All right. And the last thing I want to tell you about before we go to our Bibles um, is I have a book back there on how many of you are readers. I'm a reader. I used to average one a week. I'm um, about a little bit less than that this year, but I still am an avid reader. I wrote this because I believe that sometimes we have so mystified the spiritual gifts that we've made them inaccessible to people. That means that we've made stuff hard that's easy. Jesus came to make what's impossible possible. He didn't, came to make, he didn't come to make the impossible look hard. He came to make it look easy. And so I teach how to hear God's voice, not as like, hey, this is a New Testament gift for special believers, or this is just an Old Testament gift for special people, but this is actually something you were created to do from the beginning, to commune with God. It's called the roar, God's sound in a raging world, and it's actually from Genesis 3. When man sinned, the Bible says he heard the sound of the Lord. Everybody say the sound of God for me. The sound of God. The sound of the Lord, when man sinned, sounded like this. Adam, where are you? The first words that God spoke when man sinned weren't, what did you do? Why did you do that? What are you thinking? Were, hey, where are you? I want to bring you back. That word is the word roar, the sound of God. And, you know, there is a, an atmosphere that we live in in the day, the spirit of the day, the cool of the day, that we need the sound of God. 
We need the sound of God in this generation. We need the sound of God in our nation. We need the sound of God in your jobs. It needs the sound of God, and you're created to be the sound of God. So this is very, very practical, although it's very biblically based. And it talks about how God spoke from the beginning and how you can learn to hear his voice. And we're going to be touching on some of it this week. But one of the things that might be important to you, and it's back there, um, there's exercises in this book that journaling exercises, um, exercises that you can share with somebody that's a believer and someone that you can share with that's a non-believer. And there's different ways of talking to people because we have church lingo that people out there don't understand and we need to learn to be able to translate the way God's speaking for them to understand it. Does that make sense? So that's back there if that would help you at all and, and any of the resources back there that would help you. We'd appreciate it. It helps us to go to some of the nations we go to and obviously uh, we have um, you know, resources that we need to cover as a ministry, our staff, our our facilities and the things that we do. So we really, really, really uh, appreciate it. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I want to talk to you today about the voice of the Father, how to hear from the Father. And I could say hearing God, I could say prophecy. You know, and the Bible does talk about the gift of prophecy. What, is the, what does it say about the gift of prophecy? And we're going to go to Matthew 16, and we're going to read verses 13 through 17. The Bible says that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And I always question myself, why does it say that? In fact, tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about why it says especially prophecy. But one of the reasons I believe it says especially prophecy is is because God chose to speak. When he created the world, he chose to use his voice to do it. And so that's why I'm passionate about hearing God's voice is because that's how God created everything we see. He did it through his voice and learning to hear God is important. And in just a moment, we're going to read this scripture, but let me tell you how I first discovered that God wanted to speak to me. And and because I grew up in church, I knew God speaks through the Bible. I know that scriptures are important. Uh, But Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, which means actually literally means God's still talking. The proceed, word proceed, it means still coming out, which means that God's still talking. So God talked, but he's still talking. We have God's word, but he's still the word, right? So I grew up in a church where I believed that God could speak through the pastor because that's sort of the pastor's job, isn't it? I mean, we come to church, pastor hears from God, tells us what to do, and then we leave church and we don't do anything the pastor says. (laughs) That's what church is. Just kidding. It's not this church. So my pastor had this weird habit, though. Let me take you back a little bit because, you know, I've been in church my whole life. So let me just rewind the clock. Just go like 80s with me, all right? This is 80s church. They had these things. You may not remember them. There were these large things that people would hold in their hand. They had um, these had paper with ink on them. They were called Bibles. Have you ever seen one of those? They have them around different places. Some of you have them today. Congratulations. This is my Bible. As Joel Osteen says, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> I can do what it says I could do. And sometimes Siri will tell me what to do too. Robert, turn right. I missed that turn the other day. So I'm sitting in church and the pastor has his Bible out. And you know how anointed the pastor is by how long his ribbons are, by the way, in case you want to ever go to a church and see how spiritual the pastor is. He would hold his Bible out. In the middle of his preaching or teaching, he would sometimes lean in and he'd look in the left corner. He'd look up to the left corner and he'd scrunch his face up and he'd go, yes, Lord. Okay, Lord. I'll do that, Lord. 
And then he'd just go on to preaching. And he'd never tell us what God said. And I'm sitting there as a kid in my seat going, who put God in time out? Like, why is God in the corner? <laughs> and if it was so important to stop your message, why didn't you tell us what God said? Why didn't you say, God said, I'm preaching too long. Everybody's hungry. Let him go. You know, or maybe, in fact, I thought this as a kid. I remember telling my friend, I bet God's telling the score of the football game. Now, that'd be an awesome spiritual gift to have because you could raise a lot of money for missions if you knew what the game score would be. I'm just saying. You know, I'm being a little bit silly, but at the same time, I think sometimes what we do is we actually lift up things that God wants to bring down to our level and we make them inaccessible to ourselves because we think that's just for the guy standing up here. But the first time I remember hearing God's voice was not in a church service, although I'm sure I heard and maybe didn't discern it was him. I'm sure because you can't come to Jesus. You can't come to the Father except by hearing Jesus, except through Jesus. And he said he's the word. So you have to hear God, which tells us that even people that don't believe can hear. Because you couldn't believe if you hadn't first heard. So there you go. That'll twist your perspective a little bit that there's people out there that can hear God that don't know it. And if you teach them how to hear God, they'll hear his voice and become what he says they are. So my first time hearing God was actually, I got my first job. I got a good Christian job, Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. And, and uh, I, I was allowed to work there because it's closed on Sundays. And I remember my first day going into my job, 15 years old, Oxford Valley Mall, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Or not Lancaster, uh, Langhorn, Pennsylvania. My boss said to me, hey, I'm going to give you the toughest job in the store today. I said, bring it on. I like a challenge. He said, okay, you're going to make French fries. Ever just, can we just pause a moment? Because when you say French fries, doesn't it just, don't just waffle fries do something for you? I'm just, I don't know how they came up with that design, but it must have been almost like from heaven, you know? Like Moses went on the mountain, and God said, I'm going to give you manna. And it must have been shaped like a waffle fry. I can imagine it was, <laughs> just thinking, it was something good about it. So he said, I'm going to give you a job to make French fries. And I said, okay, that sounds pretty easy. He goes, it's not easy. It's the hardest job. He's super serious about it. I said, okay, tell me. He said, well, you see, if you don't make enough fries for people. First of all, here's what I said to him. I said, look, it only takes a couple minutes to make the fries. You just put them in the basket, put them in the oil. Two and a half minutes later, timer goes off. You salt them, it's done. He goes, no, that's not how it works. That's not how fries work. Here's how fries work. You have to make enough fries so that when people come, we have enough fries to feed them. And if you make too many fries and people don't come and buy the fries, those fries only have a shelf life of two and a half minutes. He might have said 2.5 minutes. He was so serious. He said, after 2.5 minutes, those, those fries are dead and we have to throw them away. And I'm like, this guy is really serious about potatoes. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, I cannot handle the pressure of the life of innocent potatoes in my hands. And he, then he next, he said, but if you don't make enough fries and people come and we don't have fries, then they're going to go to McDonald's. And then he kind of left it hang like pretty much, then you'll be dead. <laughs> so now I feel pressure to this. I'm really feeling pressure. And I, I remember standing in front of the fryer looking out to the mall, like, how am I going to know when to make French fries? And I just kind of threw up this prayer. 
just threw it up. Like, I remember my pastor stopping in the middle of doing his job and saying, yes, God. Okay, God, I'll do that, God. And something inside me said, hey, if God can talk to my pastor and he's working, he can talk to me when I'm working. So I said, God, can you tell me when to make the fries? That's all. I said it in my heart. I didn't like speaking tongues and say, in the name of Jesus, tell me when to make the fries. I would like to tell you that the oil started bubbling up and said, I am the Lord God of French fries. <laughs> didn't happen. Angel came out with an apron, with a, chick, uh, with a cow that says eat more chicken. I would have loved that story because it would have gone way better in my book if I had that story to tell. But honestly, all that happened was I had this strong impression that I should make French fries. And I looked out in the mall and there's nobody there. But that impression, you know, kept existing. And it was God's voice. I didn't know it, but I responded to it. I need to make French fries now. And so, and I know some of you are getting hungry for lunch now that I'm talking about French fries. So there's no Chick-fil-A open today, but I'm sure you could find a few fries on the way home. So I drop the fries. Nobody's there. I pull the fries out, salt them, and people come and start buying the French fries. And we end up, this is actually a real story in my life that we had a two-hour French fry rush my first day of making French fries, and I kept up with it the whole time. My boss looked at me halfway through and said, who are you? Where did you come from? (laughs) We're going to call you the fry master. Now, I'm sure he was just trying to motivate me, but it was something that motivated me, like, hey, God cares about French fries. (laughs) Think about it. Why would God talk to me about French fries? Because French fries were important to me at that moment. And he cares about me, so he cares about what I care about. The other thing was is that, and that's, that's important to know about God speaking to you, is he wants to talk to you about, about what's important to you because you're important to him. He cares about you. It's relational. The second thing was my boss took me home that day. He said, I'll give you a ride home today. Tell your parents I'll drive you. He drove me home, pulled in my driveway at my house, and he said, you did a great job today, your first day. He goes, I'm going to give you a 10-cent raise. 10 cents an hour my first day, which is a big deal back then. Which tells me the second thing. If you learn to hear God's voice, you can make more money. <laughs> it's actually just a joke, but it does, does say in the Bible, God said to Joshua, don't let the book of this law pass, out from your, pass away from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, and you'll be successful at whatever you do. Which tells me, if I learn to hear God's voice, I'll be a better dad. I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better worker. I'll be a better boss. And so... This is a practical part of hearing God's voice. You with me? All right. So let me give you some tips on on how we can start hearing voice of the Father. Matthew 16. We're going to read verse 13 through 17. I actually read 18 as well in the first service. We'll probably go through 18. may not be on the screen, but we'll go to 18. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some people say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what do you say, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father. Say my father but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not 
overcome it. Now, this is a great conversation because right here, it seems like Jesus is trying to get his disciples to get the right answer to a question. And if you just read the story that way, or if you have a specific perspective about who God is, you will think that God's just trying to get you the right answers. That if you get it right, you get a high five. If you get it wrong, you get a whack upside the head. But that's not who God is, and that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus didn't need to know who he was. Jesus was trying to get them to learn how to ask the right questions. And if you want to learn to hear the Father, and I'm going to say the Father for God, because in here Jesus said, That flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. That's who God is. When Jesus came to reveal the invisible God, he said, my Father. When you said, you when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven. And so it's super important, especially in the day and age that we live in, to think that Jesus was very gender specific about the way he talked about God. Not that there's not something that's feminine about God because he created man in his image and likeness, male, female, he created he, them. But there's something that was missing in his day and age where the voice of the Father needed to be revealed. And I'm telling you, when God speaks to you as a father... It will change your perspective of who you are. And so learning to hear from the Father starts with a question. A question. And Jesus asks them a question. What's the question? Who do people say that I am? Now, why is he asking this? He's he's asking this, I believe, because he knows that sometimes in life we go through situations where what's around us affects what we believe. And so he's trying to discern, what do you believe about me based upon what other people are saying? Who do people say that I am? And sometimes what happens is we discern the voice of God based upon what other people think about God. And so if we're sick or someone we know is, has cancer and we believe that God's trying to teach us something through sickness when the Bible says that Jesus, he died for our sickness, that by, by his stripes we are healed. And so sickness wasn't created by God. Actually, Jesus came to destroy that. And so if you believe that God teaches you by punishing you or putting sickness on you, that's going to inform your perspective about how good he is, Right? And so Jesus is saying, who do other people say that I am? Listen to their answers. Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're Jeremiah. Now, these, all, all these three of these guys, they're all dead. So these are actually literally what people are saying about Jesus because they couldn't figure him out. They couldn't figure out this guy who walks on water, this guy who raises the dead, this guy who cleanses the leper. They couldn't figure him out, so they know he's got to be otherworldly. So maybe he's a prophet, come back. Maybe he's Jeremiah, maybe he's Ezekiel. What does that tell us? It tells us that sometimes in the process of hearing from God, we're going to actually start to ask questions or, or, or experience things that we don't understand. And these people didn't understand it, so now they're starting to make things up. And Jesus' response is more important than the wrongness of their answer. And every single one of those answers is wrong, right? Say wrong. See, so see. Religion tells you you're wrong, but Jesus never says they're wrong. I love that because God's not trying to teach us what we're wrong at. He's just trying to teach us how to get to the truth, how to discover the truth. And sometimes on your discovery to the truth, you experience some things or or you, you have some things happen that you can't understand. And so he doesn't even ask the question or he doesn't even respond to these wrong answers. 
In fact, when they say this, he says, okay, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Which tells me something about Jesus and tells me something about the Father. That he's not trying to lead us to the right answers. He's trying to get us to ask the right questions. And the Father responds to questions that come from a seeking heart. Which means, if you have questions, it's actually a sign that you're a seeker. Like, I grew up in church and I thought, well, I can't question authority. That's the pastor and he knows the Bible better than me. That's true. And there's some things I want to hear and I want to be a listener and a learner. Then I want to go back and say, what do I believe about that? That's a learner. That's a seeker. Do you know what the Bible says? That if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And as long as our questions come from a place of seeking of truth, not of being a cynical person that thinks they have all the answers, because that's different. If you come from a perspective of asking questions, and so Jesus teaches them to ask a question, and what's the next question he asks? Who do you say that I am? And just look at verse 60. Simon Peter answered. Right there, you can have a whole sermon on Simon Peter answered. Because don't you just like Simon Peter, if you read him in the Bible, he's just one of those guys. He reminds you of the kid that sits at the front of the class, and the teacher asks a question, and they raise their hand first, and they're like, ooh, 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 ooh. And the teacher's like, anyone else? (laughs) Simon Peter's just that guy. He was the guy who wanted to get out of the boat and walk with Jesus on the water. He's the guy who always wanted to be first laying hands on the sick. He was one of the guys that wanted to, like, you know, called out fire in heaven for, from, on people. He was a guy that was just wanted to be in the mix. Simon Peter might have been a nuisance to some people, but to Jesus, he was a seeker. He was hungry. And I, can I tell you something? That God responds to a hunger, to people that seek. And if you want to hear God, what did Jesus say? If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And how much more, he's talking about this in the context of the Holy Spirit, how much more will my Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for Him? And if you ask for bread, He will not give you a stone. If you ask for meat, He will not give you a snake. And some people say, well, what if I try to hear God and I hear the devil? Well, I have a promise that my sheep hear my voice. They will not follow the voice of a stranger. I have a promise that if I ask him for bread, he won't give me a stone. If I ask him for meat, he won't give me a snake. I have a promise that when my father speaks to me, it sounds like a certain thing. And so the father is looking for seeking hearts. And Simon Peter answers, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus' response is just classic. It sounds really good at its, at its heart. You know, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you or unfolded to you or spoken to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And at first it sounds like, good job, you heard from the Father. But if you really peel this apart, I mean, think about it. You know in the South when they say, bless your heart, you know what that means, right? Oh, bless your heart, you dumb little thing. <laughs> it's kind of like Jesus is saying, hey, Bless your heart, Peter. You're too stupid to have figured that out on your own. Heavenly Father gave that to you. Isn't that awesome, though? He high-fives Peter for getting the answer right when the answer came from the Father. Because he wasn't trying to get him the right answer. I believe the whole point of this conversation was not so you could get the, he, they could get the right answer. It's so that they could learn to talk to the Father. And can I tell you something? 
learning to hear God's voice, understanding the gift of prophecy isn't to be right. It's to know the Father. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1, right at the end of the chapter, his prayer for the Ephesians. I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him and you might know the hope to which you're called. See, God's greatest desire in you connecting with his voice isn't so that you can somehow know the future and tell the future, but that you can know the one who holds the future so that you might know him. Good job, Peter. You learn to hear the Father. And then you can know the hope to which you're called, which means if you know the one who's called you, you can know your calling. If you know the one who holds your future, you can, you can be sure your future's secure. If you know the one who formed you in your mother's womb, who knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, then you can know he's got a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. This is the God who saw you and called you since before the foundation of the world. What happens here is that what you hear from the Father builds something in you that's unshakable. And Jesus says, Simon, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I love this passage, and there's a lot of interpretations and understanding about this passage. One, one group says, well, this is where Peter became the first apostle, and it's on Peter the foundation of the church is built. I don't have a problem with that. I believe at this moment, Peter became a cornerstone of the foundation of the church. I believe Peter is one of the foundational leaders of the church. I believe that's true. Some people say it's not that Peter was the, was the rock, but it's actually that the confession of who Jesus is, is the rock the church is built on. I don't have a problem with that either. I think it's another part of the truth, that these are truths that fit together so that the revelation of who, we are, who Jesus is forms us as a church, and that's a foundation that we live on. But I want to tell you, I think there's actually something in here that's, that's even sweeter and more personal, and that's this. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, and on this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Which tells me, if you make this more personal and not just corporate, that when you hear something from the Father in your life, and you use it as a foundational stone in your life, when hell comes against what God is building in your life, what God is building will stand because it's built on the right foundation. And that's what the Father says about you. And if you build your house on what your parents said about you, or you build your house on what your education or socioeconomic background is, if you build your house on what your just religious experience is, it's a very shaky foundation. But if you build your house based upon what the Father has said about you, then when hell comes against you and you are guaranteed that hell will test what heaven brings, that hell will test it. It happened to Jesus on the day he was baptized. The heavens opened and, he, and the Father spoke. The Father spoke. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 48 hours later, he's fasting in the wilderness. And the devil comes. And hell comes against what the Father has said. And what does hell say? 
if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. The test wasn't to see if Jesus could perform a magic trick. The test was to see if Jesus believed what heaven said about him. And when the gates of hell came against what heaven said to Jesus, Jesus stood on the foundation of what the father revealed to him. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What was he saying? I could turn this stone into bread if I wanted, but all I need is what father said about me. I'm his son and he's pleased with me. And can I tell you, when you go through sickness or infirmity, when you go through betrayal or bankruptcy, when you go through struggles and trials in your life that don't make sense, when you stand on what the father says about you, I'm his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. God is good. He's good. Oh, (laughs) that's a revelation of the father that when hell comes against you and it will, I can't be shaken. And I want to tell you something. This is what God is building in you and in this church. And I believe this weekend, God's going to lay a foundation where you literally can learn. You can learn what the Father says in situations. It doesn't mean God told me and so I'm going to do everything I want to do. What it means is I feel God's telling me this. How do you feel about this? Well, my wife and I are making a decision. It's not just about what I hear. It's about... Honey, what are we hearing together? When I'm making a decision that affects more people, I know I have, I'm confident in my ability to hear the voice of the Father. But I want other people to hear God's voice too. And my job this weekend isn't to come and tell you everything God is saying. My privilege is to come and say, hey, you can hear God. You have a God who wants to hear you talk to him and he'll actually talk back to you. And he can actually talk to you for other people. And sometimes it's not perfect. See, what I loved about Jesus was it wasn't that they got the perfect answer. The reason I paused is trying to think of of an example that was recent. We have a lot of stories and stories we could tell about ourselves, something that was recent. I was just at the end of last year. I was up in... um, I was up in Maine doing a conference, and it was a, it was a long conference. It was, it was a long conference. It was like four speakers, and, and I, I sat through way too many speakers because just trying to be honoring to people. And I was tired. I was the last night, the last guy. I had sat through a lot of sessions, and I was ready to pre- preach. It was a good time. It was a good service, and I was going to preach the next morning at the church too. It's around 11 o'clock at night, and people were gathered around the altar. We were just worshiping, and everybody was tired. It was a long conference. It was the end of the night. It was a long time. Something really cool happened at the end, the very, very end. And we're just standing there, just worshiping God around the altar. And there's a lady standing to my left. And she had her hand raised. And for some reason, I felt that just to grab her hand as I was on the stage. And I, and I spoke these words. I said, I see you having like blows to your head repeatedly and concussions. I see you having re- really bad recurring headaches, dizzy spells. And it's affected your ability to work. You lost your job and you lost your education that you wanted to go farther in. But God's touching you tonight. He's healing you. And this lady was just really moved, like physically in her body. She was really responding to that. And, and I thought, wow, God must be really touching her. I'd like to hear that story sometime. And, and I prayed for a few other people. And we finished. And people were around the altar just talking. And I was sitting there chatting with a few people, just talking with them and fellowshipping. And this um, young lady came up to me. 
She goes, hey, um, I want to tell you my story. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Who are you? She goes, oh, we've met before. Um, my, my husband, Sam, was your driver. I'm like, oh, you're Sam's wife? Weren't you wearing glasses? I met you yesterday. Weren't you wearing glasses? She goes, yeah. She goes, actually, um, I took them off because I got healed. I said, you did? You got healed when? She said, tonight, just when you prayed at the end. She said, I was standing behind the lady that you're praying for. And actually, I was wearing concussion glasses because I've had five concussions. I lost my job. I'm on disability. And it's affected my health. And actually, I had to drop out of school. And I'm like, you mean the lady I prayed for wasn't sick? She goes, I don't think so. But I was right behind her. You didn't see me. So I, I said, oh, that must be for me. And I'm like, isn't that so awesome for God? Like, I got it wrong and I got it right. I mean, I just think that's so, that's so typical of the way I do things. It was, it's, it's almost like if I prayed for her, I would have got a lot of credit for that. Now I get nothing, but it's awesome. I get the credit in heaven because I prayed for the wrong person and the right person got healed. That's, that's the whole point of this whole walk with God is it's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's about walking forward for him. And, and, and hearing God's voice is not about perfection. It's about progress. It's, about, it's not about getting the right answers. It's about just asking questions. Are you, you hearing me? And I'm passionate about this because I think that sometimes having to be right has kept so many of us from moving forward or even trying because uh, if I try to hear God, I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah, you're going to get it wrong. And the whole time, God's going to be high-fiving you saying, bless your little heart. Because <laughs> that's the kind of God he is. He's that, that's the kind of God he is. So I'm going to ask the, the worship team just to come up and play something. And we're going to pray in just a second. And I'm going to share over a few people some things. I want to demonstrate to you just God's heart. Because honestly, for me, prophecy, the gift of prophecy, hearing God's voice, It's not just to tell us what God wants to do in our life. It's for the father to look at us and say, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased with. This is my daughter whom I'm pleased with. And that's what this weekend, what I'm hoping for. I just hope for tonight and just have a Holy Spirit night where God just comes and speaks to a whole bunch of us. And that corporately we hear his voice, that an atmosphere is opened up that we can step into, that Peter stepped into this atmosphere that he never had to step away from. When the heavens open over Jesus' head. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The heavens never parted again. When Peter found out how to get a revelation from the Father, he never had to go back. Do you know it was because of Peter that you and I are sitting here because one day he got tired on a Sunday afternoon, took a nap, and he had a spiritual vision where God spoke to him. And because of that vision, he took the gospel to non-Jewish people for the first time. And sometimes God has called some of us to do stuff that's never been done before. In order to do stuff that's never been done before, you got to hear from God in a way you've never heard him before. And if you want 2019 to be the same old kind of year, then that's okay. But if you want to see God do something he's never done before this year, then you got to hear him in a way you've never heard him before. And for me, I'm not satisfied. I want to hear him more. I want to know him more. I want to look more like him. I want a revelation that's unshakable because the gates of hell are not going to, hell's not going to stop coming against you. But you've been given something that will beat back the gates of hell at every turn. And that's the voice of your father. Can you stand with me to your feet for a moment? And before we close, first of all, just bow your head and close your eyes. I'm sure that there's some people here today in this place who have a clear understanding of who the father is. You've come to Jesus and Jesus has shown the Father to you and you believe 
what Jesus said. Believe in God, believe also in me. I prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. It's my Father's house. And the way to the Father is through Jesus. But I'm also aware that there might be some people here today that you don't know who the Father is. Maybe someone invited you here. Maybe you just hang out. Maybe you're just trying to be a better person. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't die to make you a better person. He, made you, he died so that you could be like him, so that you could be a son of daughter of God. And if you're here, well, every eye is closed and every head is bowed. If you're here today and, and you're not sure that you've come to the Father, you're not sure that before this day you've known who the Father is, today you can know who the Father is through Jesus. And Jesus says this, that he is the way to the Father. He's the truth about the Father. He's the life of the Father. And the way you come to him is by believing he is who he said he is. He is the Christ. He came, he died for you, he rose again so that you can be welcome to the Father's family. And if you're here today, when no one's looking around, if you say today, I want to be sure today that I'm in the Father's family. I want to be sure today that I know who the Father is. And I want to be sure today that I'm his child. If that's you, raise your hand. If you're not sure, just raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer that you can be sure. Thanks, buddy, in the back. Anyone else? Thanks, sir. Anyone else? It's fine. It's good. Thank you. There's like three people that raised their hand. Maybe some of them are making sure. Maybe some of them, this is the first time. Confession of their faith. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and you're saved. Why? Because what you speak solidifies what you believe. On this confession, Peter, I'll build my church. So let's pray this together. I'm going to ask everybody in this room to pray this out loud with me along with the three people that raised their hand. And if you raised your hand, I invite you to come and talk to one of the pastors today share with them what you did let's pray together dear jesus come on use your outside voices dear jesus i believe you're the son of god i believe you died for me i believe you rose again i ask you to come into my life make all the old things new the dead things alive make me the person you created me to be in jesus name You know, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you are a new creation. You're not, you're not just a better person. You're a new creation. The old things are passed away. It's not a second chance at being a better human being. It's your first chance at being God's child. That's the good news of the gospel. Tonight, we're going to come back at 6 p.m. and um, just going to have a great Holy Spirit time in God's presence. I really appreciate this worship team, by the way, and what these guys have done. Um, tonight we're going to have a great time of Holy Spirit and, and uh, we're going to just really ask God to speak to us um, but I just want to share a couple things with a couple people before before we close today there was this cool young lady I met in the, in the way during the greeting what's your name honey? front? yeah Lacey how you doing Lacey? good Lacey you know what God told me about you you're, you're like super creative God's giving you this super creativity kind of like you're your own thing you know what I mean like Lacey's a cool name you don't even need a last name just Lacey right but I saw I saw you having a real great gift with like the creative arts the visual arts and even like God giving you a love for like kind of like funky fashion and I feel like the Lord is going to use you with children to to use creativity and art 
to describe, to, to bring the kingdom to them. There's a real good, good gift on you, um, particularly for like children that are like early childhood development age type children. And I see you having a real great gift with like even infants and babies that they would be as peaceful and quiet around you. The other thing is I feel like the Lord's going to um, do something to open up the way that you see him in a new way in this next season. And I feel like your dreams are really going to come alive, that God's going to speak to you through dreams, and that there's an ability for you um, to see God in a new way. So Lord, just thank you for your daughter. And I thank you that um, you're doing something in her, in her uh, even like her brain. I feel like there's something the Lord is doing, even to rewire some things, uh, just even in your neurological system. And there's some things even that um, affected you. I don't know if it was a trauma during birth or some sort of uh, head uh, trauma that you experienced. But I feel like the Lord is just going back to places where, and there's a scripture in the Bible that says your angels will guard your steps even if you dash your foot against a stone. And God's not just guarding your steps, he's guarding your head even. And I feel like the Lord is just doing something that is uh, even affecting um, things within your your neurological system. Uh, I don't know if you've had any issues with, even when I spoke about reoccurring headaches and things like that, but I just feel like the Lord is visiting you even in places where um, maybe migraines and things like that have occurred. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that this grace that she's going to have for children. And I even feel like the gift you're going to have for children is for children that um, have had to overcome physical and emotional trauma and adversity in their life, that you're going to help them to see that the limitations that the earth puts on them uh, is something that God easily helps them to overcome. And you're going to be like a champion. You're going to raise them up as champions that will be overcomers because that's what you are. You're you're a champion. You're an overcomer. And there's a, a special compassion that God's put on you. And this is a natural sign that God's given you. But I see you like just being able to have like this special care for animals, like like animals that, that would be at risk or hurt. You just want to bring them all home. That's a sign of a healing gift that's in you. And God is going to use you in healing people that have been walked through trauma and disability. So God, I just thank you for Lacey in Jesus' name. We just bless her in Jesus' name. There's a, there's a guy over here, man. You, God's been pointing you out to me all day long. Sir, what's your name? Hey, Kevin, how you doing? I, Kevin, I believe God's about to do something for you. I saw um, these scales of justice over your head, and they were tipped in an unfair way. And usually that means that you've experienced some sort of um, <clears throat> either a betrayal or some sort of loss that, ha- that's, that, that could have been corrected through a, a justice system, a legal system, but the legal system was unfair to you. Does that make sense? I feel like the Lord is going to make right some things in business that were wrong for you and partnerships that you had where you were supposed to share in the benefits of it, but you were kind of like cheated out of your fair square, your, your deal. You had to like negotiate down less. You settled for less than what you were worth. And I just feel like the Lord wants you to know this is not just going to be a year of equity and fairness. This is going to be a year of justice for you. And I feel like the Lord is going to bring back some things. Uh, there's even been some things that you've done that you haven't totally, you know, gotten your reward for. And I feel like this is a year where the Lord says there's like back pay, back payments due, back things back that are due to you that God's about to pay off for you. And people that you've kind of had to take less than the full 
the full contract price on, so to speak, that, that God's going to give you blessing for where people are actually, you can actually raise your rates and the Lord says you're worth more than you're, you're like underbidding yourself sometimes because you just want the business. But I hear the Lord say overbid sometimes, watch yourself get the overbid, watch yourself get more than you think you're worth because you're worth more than that. You're a good man. And I also feel like the Lord is doing something in you guys and you guys are together, I guess. It's your wife. Or, that's nice. She looks very nice and very happy with you. So that's good. Because if she wasn't your wife, I'd be like, why are you with this woman? Just, just kidding. I just feel like the Lord is doing something in you guys where um, he's restoring like the years that the locust has eaten, the scripture says. And what that is that the Lord's making up for some lost time. And I feel like the Lord says to you, daughter, that this is a year where you're going to be get, step into the joy of your salvation. And there's some things that you've had to, to battle for in this last season. But I feel like the Lord is saying that you're t- moving from a place of just constantly battling to a place of overcoming. And I feel like there's something that God's going to do even in your home uh, in this season that's going to cause there to be like um, a last minute surprise for you. And I saw it looked like the time was running out on some things. And I, but I feel like the Lord says, I'm going to come in at the last minute. For me, it's not the last minute. I don't know why God always has to be last minute. It's because he exists outside of time. So he's not sweating it. But I feel like the Lord is saying there's going to be some things. I feel like there's even some restructuring, um, some refinancing that the Lord's going to do for you that's going to allow there to be like a, a, a just a, a new season to blow into your lives. And I feel like the Lord is saying, like, even what the devil wants to do to steal, kill, and destroy. God's coming to bring you life and life to the full. I also feel like the Lord's coming on your um, body, even in a, in a, through a wave of healing and bringing new strength to you. And this is going to be an Isaiah 40 year where it says that you can run and not grow weary. You can walk and not faint. And there's even like a fatigue that sometimes comes over you that God is now visiting you. Even in your your whole like metabolism, there's some things that the Lord is super energizing right now that are going to cause you to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. And particularly I saw uh, even the Lord, I'm not projecting anything specific on you, but I saw the Lord put his hand just right on your thyroid area. And I saw him begin to just supercharge metabolism, your endocrine system. And I saw uh, supernatural energy come into you. So Father, I thank you that this is a year she'll run and not grow weary. She'll walk and not faint. So God, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Um, I'm going to pray for this guy with a guitar because he needs it. What's your name again? Matt. I like you, Matt. You're cool. Matt, I saw you like a juggler. I saw you like juggling. Um, at first it was two balls, and two balls are easy to juggle. And then I saw someone throw a third ball to you, and you're like, I don't think I can juggle all this stuff. And, and, um, and then you, you're juggling, and then you were standing on one foot. That's a weird picture. I don't usually have pictures like that. So I'm going to describe it to you. I feel like the Lord has called you to do multiple things. And I see this with your guitar in your hand. And then I see you with like a um, you know, microphone in another hand. And then I see you with almost like, I don't know why, but it's a clown outfit. You're standing on one foot and you're juggling. That tells me that you, you do some stuff to entertain people or whatever. I just feel like I'm going to interpret this for you, okay? This is a worship gift. This is a gift to uh, for young people. And this is also a teaching gift. And, and you're trying to balance all these things. Like, am I a worship leader? Am I a children's youth guy? Am I a, a pastor, teacher guy? And the Lord's like, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes, and yes. And, and I asked the Lord, why are you standing on one foot? And I feel like it has to do with even you've um, been kind of like, I 
feel like the Lord wants you to know that it's like you're over. This is so bad to say. I'm going to say it. Every pastor is this. So you're overworked and you're underpaid. Okay. All of us are. Amen. Everybody say amen. I'm overworked and I'm underpaid too. I just feel like the Lord wants to thank you for being able to just being able to take care of like full-time stuff on something that's part-time or or three-quarter time salary. And I just feel like the Lord wants you to know there's just some blessing that's coming into the church in this next season where what's been sort of part-time or three-quarter time is going to be able to be increased. I'm not telling everybody to give them a raise. I'm just saying I feel like God's doing something in this church that's bringing breakthrough for what he's building in this future. And I feel like worship is so important and the young people are so important and the teaching, preaching ministry of the church is so important. And I feel like the Lord says that I'm going to invest in you because you've invested in the kingdom. And there's three things that are going to happen. And I feel like there's some things that are going to start to happen in the area of creativity around worship. And that ball that you're juggling on worship, I just feel like the Lord said, man, you're a home run hitter when it comes to worship. You're a home run hitter when it comes to worship. And I feel like that's the gift that could take you other places or it's the gift that could grow you to the place you're called to be here. And I feel like the Lord says he puts you in this place because you're, you're big for this house, but this house is getting big enough for everyone that's involved because this house is going to begin to grow. And I feel like there's even people that you're training right now in some other areas that you're going to be like, here, you guys take this ball now. And I feel like the Lord says, learn what balls you're supposed to juggle and what, what balls you're supposed to teach other people to juggle. And I feel like that comes to the area of the young people and I feel like the Lord is going to begin to raise up a team around you where you've been trying to like be the entertainer be the guy and I just feel like the Lord says this is a team approach this is a team ministry and I see even raising up like even some young adults even some young parents that God's going to draw around you and I saw you just almost like forming your teams and how the way you're going to do youth ministry and young adult ministry in this next season it's not going to drain you it's actually going to empower other people and the way for you not to be drained is for you to empower other people and that third thing about this teaching and preaching I feel like there's such a love for the word that God put on the inside of you. And I feel like there's just uh, new expressions of the way you're going to teach to come in the future. But I think it's all attached to the other things I just talked about that as you get in that secret place alone with the Lord and worship, that there's going to be revelation that's going to come from the word that's going to release some new songs. And I saw you even having some lyrics already written. And I saw someone come alongside of you, even with, um, the finishing to those lyrics and some music. And I saw collaboration come on you in this next season for not just um, playing new songs, but actually having songs of this house come out of this house because there's something unique that's going to come out of here. And so God, I just thank you for that. And I thank you for um, even the grace that's on his home. And I feel like the Lord um, did something like, did you get married like seven years ago? Or when did you get married? Uh, Whoa, a year and a half ago. When did you guys start dating? Okay, okay. Oh, is that, is that your wife? Oh, get over here. Okay. I don't know why I said seven years ago. Because I was going to say, seven years ago, the Lord started something in your life. I'm like, okay, get married seven years ago? Okay, good. Because you would have been way too young seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, so God, thank you that they're, that um, you call them both, you know, that you equipped them both. Thank you that they're just a perfect team. And if he would have put a resume out for a minister's wife, she would have fit it perfectly. But she wasn't looking to be a minister's wife. She's a minister. So God, I thank you that she qualifies. 
she qualifies. And God, I thank you that you called them. And uh, I feel like the Lord wants you to know too, there's like a generational blessing on your life and even some just ministry heritage that you're stepping into that the Lord is just pleased that you honored your fathers and your mothers in the faith that you're going to step into some things in this next season. Um, And I also feel like the Lord is doing something uh, and I said it in the first service, there's something particularly around the youth ministry um, that God is birthing. And it, I feel like there's even just a natural sign where you, when you guys are ready to start a family, that it'll be a natural sign that God is birthing something new uh, in this church in the area of, of the youth ministry too. And that God is going to um, bless you guys. And so God, I thank you for that. When I said that, um, it was like, you know, when you have a bigger family, you need a bigger house. I, th- I saw you guys even like looking for some just bigger living conditions. And I just feel like the Lord says, go ahead and look. I'm going to bless you. And he looked at a couple of things that looked impossible. But I just feel like the Lord's even going to bless you. Almost where you thought, we'll just rent a little longer. But I feel like the Lord's like, no. Someone's going to drop like a down payment even in your in your hand. And there's going to be a blessing for like you'll be able to get into buying and do it quick before the interest rates come up. That wasn't that wasn't the Lord. That was me. But I just I'm refinancing right now, so it's on my mind. Hurry up, close on the house. So God, thank you right now for this a blessing that they are to this house, but also um, the re- way that they've served well and this, they've been received well. And God, may there be many many years of blessing that they are to this region. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, it's good. Do you guys know them? Does that make does that make sense? So anyway, now we can all deal with the context of like how do you judge things and how do you talk about things and and we'll do that we'll do that with leaders and stuff. But when you hear God's voice, it's you're not outside a relationship. So when you have when you hear God's voice for yourself, and you go to people that love you and say, "What do you see?" and, and "How can I see this come to pass?" and that's what this is all about. So. Hey, we're going to have fun tonight. I hope you come back for Holy Spirit night and fun night. And uh, Pastor, thank you. Would you all just share your appreciation for Bob Hazel this morning? Thank you. There's, there's just two things. There's two things that I just wanted to mention today um, before we, uh, we dismiss today. First off, um, if, if any of our altar and uh, prayer people can just come to the front and just be here. Uh, after we close in prayer, if you have something that you would like us to pray for you about, just come and let one of us pray for you. That's why we're here, to encourage you and to let God speak into your heart and to encourage you as you continue to walk. Um, but, but think about this. Um, tonight, we, we're going to be meeting at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Tomorrow is going to be 7 p.m. Each night's going to be different. There's going to be something different. Uh, be reminded of the fact that um, what God wants to do in you um, is directly linked to how open we are to letting God work in our hearts. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart. So if you're open for more of what God has, I just, I'd be remiss not to talk about it and mention it. But 100% of all of the support that Bob gets from the churches and the conferences and the places that he ministers to is what he uses to continue to provide for him and for his family. So I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and we're going to receive a special offering this morning. And again, just as a reminder, 100% of everything that you give at this time will go directly towards the ministry that Bob has. So I'm going to ask that you would give consideration to that and say, how can I continue to sow into what God is doing through Bob and through his family? So ushers, if you would come forward now, I'm just going to pray over the offering and I'm going to invite you all to participate in that and to give to him, to bless him as he's been blessing us. 
Proverbs 11.25 says a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So we want to return that blessing and refresh him. Father, we come before you today, and I thank you for the ministry that Bob has um, been giving for decades, Lord. God, for hearing your voice and for encouraging people, um, not just to speaking into their life, but teaching them and building the church on how we can all hear your voice. So, Father, I just pray over each person here today that gives. I pray over each person today, Lord, that received today. I pray, God, that each person, Lord, that just heard the words from him today, Lord, would be reminded that it's your spirit speaking through him to each one of us and that it's never about us. It's always about you. And I thank you, Lord, for humility. And I thank you, Lord, for a man who wants to just walk this out and let others be challenged and loved by a good father. God, we look forward to what you're going to do tonight at six o'clock. We look forward to what you're going to do tomorrow at seven. We invite you to have your way. You are awesome. And we pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're welcome to come up for prayer. Please leave quietly for those that would like to stay. Hope to see you tonight at six.